Ridge Runner Nation, what is going on? We are back with another Ridge Runners live show, and we are very excited because today we are sitting down with Paul Barty. Paul talked about everything from his weekly half marathon distance streak to a couple races that he's run and just how to be consistent in life and in running. Sit back and enjoy another Ridge Runners live show. What is going on, Ridge Runner Nation? We are back for another Ridge Runners Live show. And tonight, we're joined by the most special guest we've ever had on Ridge Runner Live. <laughs> we can't say that, but a super awesome guest. Nevertheless, we're joined by Paul Barty. Uh, Paul's been with us since the beginning. If, you have, if you've ever watched one of the rundown shows or any of our other content, every single week, we start the rundown with the infamous Paul Barty streak. We're super excited to dive into that, learn a little bit of more about how that started, uh, what that means, a couple of close calls in there, and everything involving that and anything else along the way. Uh, Paul, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I appreciate the opportunity to be part of this. I think I have to be uh, uh, the most um, unlike all of your other guests that you've ever had because everybody else you've got on the show, they're like, they're like fast. They're like people who win races and stuff like that. And that is totally not me. I'm, I'm, I'm a slow guy. You know, the athletic genes did not run very deep in my family. So I'm just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's weird for me to be uh, on this because I just feel like I don't fit the, the, the mold. You definitely, whatever. you definitely do. And I think there's a, obviously you have a great story to tell as, as well as your half marathon streak every single week and a couple of other year running achievements. I think when people find out how many miles you do run every single year consistently, uh, I think there'll be a lot of people just blown away. But before we dive too deep into that, uh, Paul, tell the people a little bit about who you are, uh, how you ended up in Athens, Ohio, and just everything about who is Paul Barty. All right. Well, I, I teach at OU. Uh, I've been on the faculty at OU since uh, 1997, so I guess that means I've finished 23 years teaching in the School of Music. Um, it's a great job. Um, it's not as much fun when I have to do online teaching, so the the, the current realities are kind of a bummer, but uh, I have a great job anyway. I teach organ. I'm, I'm an organist. And I also teach music history classes. And uh, so that's what brought me to Athens. Um, so I guess that did, did. Yeah, there we go. Awesome. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you saw our social media earlier this week, you saw the organ clip with uh, Barty's head kind of cropped in and maybe you didn't know what the context was. And now you may know, uh, as always for anyone watching, if you have any questions for Paul, uh, just drop those in the chat and we'll relay those along. Uh, yeah, and I, might, I might add that, that Wesley, uh, how many years ago was your little film project? Two years ago? Three years ago? I think uh, two, three, three years ago now. Yeah, so Wesley did a, a little short documentary thing about me. And when he did that, he went over to Galbraith Chapel with me and did some recording of me playing the organ. And so he obviously recycled some of that uh, footage in, uh, in what he put together with that little uh, teaser for, for this little interview. Yeah, no, it's fun to go back into the archives and uh, pull those out. Uh, yeah, so obviously, Paul, uh, a lot of people want to know, you have a half marathon distance streak. It's approaching 500 weeks here in just a couple of weeks. How did this get started? What was your first run like? How did you make the conscious decision, I want to run a half marathon distance every single week until forever? It probably really kind of started accidentally. I don't, I don't, when I started it, I, I, I said, I'm going to do this every week. And probably if you look back prior to that, I had done it, you know, for a few weeks, um, you know, preceding that. Although, um, I mean, that, that streak started in December of 2010. And I ran my first half marathon only in August 2010. So it didn't go back, you know, obviously very, very far. Um, and again, I know that the week immediately prior to that week in December that I didn't do one that week for whatever reason. Um, so it just sort of became something that I did every week. And there have been many weeks when I've done two or three or six, um, you know, so, so there are a lot more than just the one once a week, but the once a week thing kind of became one of my 
uh, you know, must do uh, kind of things on my list as a runner. And, um, you know, again, it's one of uh, several streaks that I have kind of going. And, you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about others there as well here in a bit. But, um, yeah, so you, you already mentioned um, there have been some times when that streak definitely uh, was in jeopardy. And, uh, and I'll mention a couple of those. Um, probably it was about three or four years ago that I had a bout with uh, plantar fasciitis. Actually, it might be even five years ago. I don't know. It's been a while. And uh, during, during that, when I was fighting with plantar fasciitis, there was a Monday that I did my half. And as you're aware, um, Monday is the day that the weekly half happens most often. And that's, that's, that's sort of a, just kind of a get it done, get it done at the beginning of the week. I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week. Um, so there was, there was a week that I did it on a Monday, uh, but I was fighting with the plantar fasciitis. And so, um, like during the, when I had plantar fasciitis, usually after I ran a half a mile or a mile didn't bother me so much, but on that particular day, it was bothering me a lot in, in the run and, and finishing the run was really tough. And so probably the week after that, it probably wasn't until Friday or Saturday that it got done. And it was sort of like just trying to just sort of baby myself along and, uh, you know, get into, get recovered enough so that I could follow up and do it the next week. Um, probably the closest that streak came to getting broken was a little bit more recently than that. I'm going to guess this was maybe three years ago. And on that occasion, for some reason, maybe I was traveling in the first part of the week or whatever. So I had settled on Thursday as the day that I was going to do the half. And the Thursday run um, was, I think, with Hugh, maybe with Robbie Hunt. Um, and I turned my ankle on the run bad. And um, I think I was like, um, I think we did a like, we, we did out to the dam at Stroud's and came back on Hickory. And I think I was near the west end of Hickory and turned my ankle and ended up walking home from there and not finishing the half. And, you know, thought, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to do, do it in the next couple of days. And on Friday, the day after that happened, I went out and I think I ran like a mile. Because again, another streak I have going is a six day a week thing. So I wanted to get at least out and do something. And so I did a pathetic, you know, on the streets um, around my house, one mile at, you know, probably 15 minutes or something like that. So it was crazy slow. And so um, then on Saturday, I pretty much was resigned to, I can't do it. But I went out, ran a mile and thought, well, it's not feeling too bad. Um, and again, that was just in the neighborhood initially, but then I headed out to the bike path and I thought, well, I'll go do a couple miles, see how it feels. Started, I think, going eastbound, like out toward Walmart on the bike path. Um, came back toward home again and still was feeling okay. So I just thought, well, I'll just keep going, see how it goes. And continued on the bike path, then out toward campus circled back home, got it done. Again, I'm sure if I looked at the pace for that one, it was probably 13, 14, you know, something really ridiculously slow. But I did it. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, those who, who know me, who knew me at the time, who, you know, saw that, saw that I did it, finished that run on, on uh, Strava that day, probably were like, I can't believe he did it because, it was pretty much over. It was pretty much a given. It wasn't going to happen, but it did. So the, the streak was alive and uh, that, that, that certainly was the closest it came to being broken. That's, that's, I mean, that's crazy to kind of hear about how uh, you twisted your ankle. You did a mile on the Friday to kind of say, muster up the extra energy and uh, recovery time to kind of get it back out there and, uh, 
do the weekly half. It's kind of wild to uh, think that over the 500 weeks, there's only been a couple of close calls. That's another thing that's super impressive. Uh, when I think about the weekly half marathon streak as well as the six day a week running streak you have is the amount of consist- consistency you have out there every single week and for all six days. Talk about the six day a week streak. Is that one easier, harder, or just about the same difficulty? Well, it's interesting that they actually started at the same time. Um, and I'm not sure that I would really say one is easier or harder. Um, the the six-day-a-week thing becomes challenging when I'm traveling. Because, I mean, for example, there was one day that I was – Christmas time, I suppose it was, um, or January, mid, winter time in any event – and I was flying from Minnesota, which is where my where, where I grew up and where my family lived. I was flying from Minnesota back to Athens. And I decided that because it was so cold up there in Minnesota, I decided, well, I'm just going to wait until I'm back in Ohio and run later in the day. Usually I run first thing in the morning, but I decided I'd run later in the day. Well, then... I got to the airport, you know, because it was really cold, they were doing the, you know, de-icing thing on the airplane at the Minneapolis airport and uh, got delayed. And so I missed my connecting flight into Chicago. And so I, they put me on a later flight and I'm looking at it and thinking, uh, you know, the, the, the flight was scheduled to arrive in Columbus like at 10 p.m. or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I'm going to get back to Athens by midnight. So I decided to run in the Chicago airport. And I did not have um, my, I I had checked a bag that had my running stuff in it. So I had, I had dress shoes on. And I also had um, a a carry-on bag with me. So I was at a restaurant. I asked a waiter at the restaurant if he would watch my, my bag for me. And he, you know, breaking rules, of course, he, he did so. And so I ran one mile in O'Hare uh, in dress shoes. So that, that's certainly one of the times when the, uh, when the daily thing was uh, in serious jeopardy. And then there have been other times when I've been like, you know, had a, had a plane to catch or had a train to catch or whatever, that it was like, you know, it's sort of a hassle, you know, I've got to get a run in, even though I've got this seven o'clock flight I've got to catch, you know, so um, there are times when it's just inconvenient, I guess is the word I would use to, to get that done. I think probably um, won't, you know, at some point these streaks are going to come to an end. I should also add just to, to you know, this, I know, um, but others, others watching here may not be aware that my daily thing is six days a week. And I don't pretend you know, that that's a lot of people will say, and, and fairly enough, it's not a streak. And, you know, because, you know, a streak is running every day and I get that. And, and I, I've never claimed otherwise. I've never tried to pretend that I was running seven days a week. I never have. I don't run on Sundays but I've run every day except Sunday uh, going back to, again, December, 2010. Um, that is also, um, you know, that, uh, that that's also meant running when I've been sick, running when I've had a fever, running when I've had, you know, little ache, aches and pains or whatever, you know, you just get out and do it anyway. Um, and you know, that's not the attitude a lot of people have, but that's the attitude I've imposed on myself. Um, even some of my, my good friends, my running buddies, sometimes think I'm a little bit obsessed. So I probably am uh, with, these, uh, with these routines that I've gotten myself into. But I don't know, for me, they in a way are kind of a motivation unto themselves. They keep me going. They keep me motivated. They get me out there, uh, out the door every morning. Uh, even when sometimes uh, staying in bed seems like a pretty nice idea. Um, but anyway, there it is. Yeah, uh, I think Earl of the Pearl recently uh, 
said that he ran seven days in a row, I believe. And he said he beat the party streak or something along those lines. Well, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he broke it. Cause I don't think he ran on Sunday either, but I think he said he, he matched the party streak. Matched the party streak. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> what was it like when you were running in the airport? Just kind of curious dress shoes, like the looks on people's faces, like. Oh, it, it was a little weird, but I, you know, I mean, sometimes people are, are hurrying through an airport because they've got a, a connection to make or whatever. So, you know, so people running, running, you know, in the airport in dress shoes is you know, probably not that weird. Um, I mean, if, if they knew why I was doing it, they would probably find it weird. Um, but yeah. You also was just, having, a, having a little bit of Strava trouble or, or, or Garmin trouble, I should say with that, because it, it did, it, it didn't like to uh, keep my, my uh, connection very well as I was, running there, you know, cause it's, you know, semi indoors. And, and so it didn't track it very well, but it did adequately. You should have kept your carry on bags and I would have made it look the part a little more like you were just running to catch a flight just back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are probably too young, but do you remember there, there was a OJ Simpson commercial where I think it was for like a, a rental car company that showed him like running through an airport and leaping over people, stuff like that. Does that I've, strike a bell with either of you guys? Nope. Well, I've seen well, a couple of his, but not that one. I, I bet if you, uh, I bet if you go on to uh, YouTube and and look for OJ Simpson rental car ad, you'll find uh, you'll find a, a clip of that on on YouTube. Probably everything's on YouTube, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, if we're on YouTube, everything else has got to be on YouTube. Exactly. <laughs> Paul, there's another streak that uh, we haven't mentioned yet, but I think it's. It, almost more impressive than the other two that you have mentioned so far. And that is your 3000 a year, 300, 3000 miles per year streak. And I believe that, I don't know how many years that one's going, going on. I think basically since you started running uh, touch on that streak and what that's like to maintain every single year to run 3000 miles consistently. Yeah. I started running in 2010. So I actually just started running just a little bit over 10 years ago now. And and uh, started running in January that year, um, but the uh, the 3,000 mile thing started in 2011. Um, although in by by the last quarter of uh, of 2010, the mileage was already up there in that kind of range. I mean, I'm I'm I could just about guarantee that the last quarter of 2010 had 750 miles in it. But um, but 3,000 a year, um, yeah, started in in 2011. And, um, yeah, and, and I don't know if, you know, just to, to kind of do the math for a second, but it's something I'm very, very aware of because of, you know, trying to keep that going, is that to run 3,000 miles a year um, and running six days a week, like I do, basically means averaging about 9.5 miles a day and, or about 57 miles per week. So that's basically what I try to target. Um, most weeks I'll run over 60, you know, just to round up a little bit, but other weeks, maybe only 50. I've run, I've run over 50 miles a week, not every week over that period of time. But if you looked at my weekly stats over the last 10 years, there would only be, I bet there are fewer than 10 weeks when I haven't run 50 miles. So, um, where running is concerned, I think probably if I, if I could, you know, sort of say I've got one strength, I would say that that strength is consistency. Um, just doing it every day, doing the half marathon thing, um, consistent mileage. That's kind of my thing. Willpower. Got to have a lot of willpower. To, I mean, some of those runs that you've done up in like the bitter cold, and I wouldn't even go outside. <laughs> at all like negative degrees up there and you're like just da, 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 getting them done yeah well um again you know one of the other things that um uh, people know about me is that i hate the heat <laughs> i actually started a strava club the hate the heat club so this will be my my shout out to uh, join the strava hate the heat club everybody um do i know that, <laughs> i know i know that not everybody's on the same page as i am but um other people, other people I, I know feel pretty similarly. In fact, you know, Dave Hayden, who's one of my regular running buddies, um, Dave is probably even more anti-heat than I am, believe it or not. Um, and actually, uh, the, the, the Hate the Heat Club 
Um, while I'm the one that actually created it, um, Dave, Dave should get credit as sort of co-founder because uh, he and I had talked about it and, uh, and, and before it became a, a reality on Strava. Um, so, so for me, John, um, running in the heat is much more difficult than running in anything that winter can throw at us, at least here in Ohio. Um, I, I've, run, I've run here in Ohio in, in sub-zero temperatures. Um, but I know, and I'm not talking sub-zero wind chill, I'm talking real, real temps below zero, maybe even 10 below. Um, and I would, and, and this, again, a lot of people would say this is completely crazy. I would rather run when the weather's like that than when it's, you know, August heat. Yeah, see, I'd be the exact opposite when it comes to like, like I have no problem being in Vegas in July or June running in hundred with low humidity or whatever it's out there versus if it's single digits or low teens, I just, I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, I, I honestly, I, I'm really comfortable with the temperature in the teens. You know, when it gets down into single digits or lower, then yeah, I don't like it. But um, if you if you wear the right gear in in cold weather like that, you can really be very comfortable. I mean, I mean, in the twenties, the twenties are, are are great. Twenties or thirties are really great running weather, in my opinion. I mean, I, I would take I would take the twenties over the sixties. Or even the fifties. All right, this is just out of hand. <laughs> um, to me, to me, the ideal uh, running weather is like when it's between thirty-five and fifty. And uh, you know, and again, you know, you, you guys know here in Ohio we have very high humidity, and we have humidity that is um, first thing in the morning. In the summertime, the humidity is often hovering around 100%. You know, 97, 98, 99, 100% is not unusual, you know, in those, in those summer months. And, you know, and, and when it's that humid, even running when it's 70 degrees out is very, very uncomfortable to me. I hate it. Yeah, I mean, I think we're just getting peak summer season right now. Uh, not if you look outside right now, it's kind of raining and uh, the temperatures are still kind of low. But I know I'm looking forward to uh, the summer months and the heat coming. Mike Anderson said, give me the heat. He's also on board with the uh, pro heat movement, yeah. I guess. Uh, Alex yeah. Jackson kind of has a follow up question. He says, what's your key to being consistent and healthy throughout all of your streaks? I'd say one of the most important things uh, for being healthy, and, and I'm actually surprised I don't hear runners talk about this as much as I think they ought to, is sleep. I think sleep is hugely underrated uh, in terms of health in general, uh, not just physical health, mental health as well. Um, and I'm a guy who I, I like to get to bed by nine o'clock um, I'm usually up at five o'clock, if not earlier. Lately, the, the, the coronavirus situation has sort of imposed a little bit of a tweak in the routine for my running buddies and me. And that usually means I'm up at more like quarter to five uh, in order to get out the door before 530. I mean, I, I, I need a certain amount of time to sort of get ready before I'm ready to head out the door. Um, so, so yeah, I think sleep is super, super important to uh, recovery. Um, maybe it, repeat what he, what Alex had said there. Uh, just consistency to, or what's the key to being consistent and healthy? I think you got the healthy part. What's the consistency yeah. part? Is it well, uh, how do you? Well, part of the consistency thing, I think, is just you're going to do it. You, you know, I don't wake up in the morning and think, am I going to get up and run this morning? You know, I decide that before I go to bed. I, I you know, I mean, it's just, it's just not even a, not even a, a conversation. It's not even a, 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 an internal debate and it never is, um, you know, and, and, and when I'm traveling again too, you know, uh, I might mention here that 
uh, were it not for the coronavirus situation, my runs for the last three days would have been in Venice. And my, and my run tomorrow would be in Venice before I head to Paris. And so that would have added two more countries that I've run in. France and Italy have not, uh, I've not done it there yet, but uh, very disappointed about that trip being canceled. But um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like uh, a year ago when I went to, uh, to Germany that, you know, my, my plane arrived in, uh, in Munich. I got to my Airbnb where I was staying. And what's the first thing I did? Put my running clothes on and went for a run. Very first thing I did as soon as I got there. And again, it's just sort of like you decide that's what you're going to do and you do it. Definitely. And uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but you do have quite the training partners that join you on most of your uh, early morning runs. Uh, talk yeah, about... Let, let me just add, add one other thing before before we go there. Um, you, you were asking about the, uh, the other streaks and about, you know, what, uh, you know, what, What's the harder streak to keep? Well, another thing that, that, that's entered into my mind that may jeopardize one of my streaks is that I, I am toying with, again, depends on what happens with COVID and so forth, but there's a chance that I might be spending some time in Australia uh, later this year. Well, when you're crossing the international date line, that could present a problem for getting a run in. Uh, one of those days, just in terms of, you know, w- what the schedule's doing, you know, I mean, if I'm, if I'm on an airplane that leaves on Monday, and by the time it gets to Australia, it's Wednesday there, then have I missed my Tuesday run? Yeah, so that could happen. So we'll see. I'll, I'll, you know, even, even with such a trip, I will do whatever I can, including running in the airport or whatever to, uh, run, run up and down the uh, aisles in the airplane. <laughs> That's as literally the next thing. I'm like, you're not going to just let that go. You're going to be literally running laps on the airplane. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know that the uh, uh, flight crew would let me get away with that for very long. <laughs> just like every ten, every ten minutes or so, uh, just keep the clock running. It'll be like a sixty minute mile, and just get up and walk the walk the distance. I, I you might yeah, it might take a couple more hours actually. Yeah, but yeah, transitioning into your running partners, talk about uh, who you run with on a daily basis. Uh, what's it like having them? Obviously, as accountability partners to get out the door every single day, and uh, what that was like. Yeah, well, I've had I've had a, a bunch of different people that I've run with over the years, and uh, and, and it goes back to when I started running in 2010. Um, it's easy for me to remember the very first day that I ran, January 19th, 2010 because it's the day before Ben Ogle's birthday. And Ben was the guy that I started running with. And so I, and so I know his birth date. And so it's always easy for me to recreate in my brain what's that first day that I started running. And, and when I first started running with him, um, we met at church and we would go and do like, well, initially a little bit less than three miles. When I started that very first run, I we, um, but, but because of me, we probably stopped and walked uh, at least 10 times in, in less than three miles, which when I think about that now, it's just sort of uh, a joke. But anyway, um, so ben, Ben's the one who get started, who got me out running initially. And when he first invited me to go running with him, I thought to myself, why would anyone want to go running? You know, I just, I couldn't imagine that this was something that I would actually, you know, become not just something that I do, but uh, it's beyond that for me. Running is not something I do. A runner is something that I am, if you understand the distinction that I'm making there. So, um, so Ben and I ran together a lot for about a year and a half until he moved. Um, After that, Oh, and I might add too that uh, within a few months, within two or three months of starting to run with him, um, there was one day, there was a week where he was out of town for several days and I went running anyway. I went running by myself. And, and that was in a way already sort of like a, a, a little bit of a, 
minor turning point that I was into it enough that I wasn't just doing it because I was meeting my friend, but I did it just because I'm doing it. That was before any of the streaks were started or anything, but you know, probably like on a March, April, uh, 2010. So I ran with him a bunch until he moved. Um, after that, I started running more with my house being the point of departure. And I had some friends, um, Spencer Patterson was one that I ran with a lot. Spencer, again, a friend from church, and he lived just a couple blocks from where I live here. And we would meet, you know, maybe two or three days a week. Um, Eric Niederhauser was another guy that I ran with a lot. And um, again, a friend from church. And Eric and I, Eric lived over uh, on Richland Avenue, like um, just, just, uh, just a little bit south from where the OUN is. And Eric would uh, head out to the bike path and I would head out to the bike path and we'd rendezvous somewhere and, and run together. Eric was somebody who really helped me push myself to run faster. And back in the days when I was running with him regularly, that's when I did some of my faster running. Again, I, you know, by, by your standards, it's not fast, but by Barty standards, it's pretty good. To give you one specific there, there was a day that I was running with him that I did a 10K tempo run at 734 pace. So for me, that's pretty solid. It's moving for anyone. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I couldn't do that today if my life depended on it. <laughs> um, so, uh, so ran with Eric quite a bit. Um, ran with Robbie Hunt a bunch. And Robbie and I were running together. And then that's when Hugh... Hugh, Hugh joined Robbie and me as a third. And Hugh eventually has become, um, I'm sure that I've run now more miles with Hugh than with anybody else that I've run with. Hugh and I have been running together quite a lot for, I think, three years now. Um, and basically, you know, if we're both uh, if we're both in Athens, well, he doesn't live in Athens, I, I should say. He works in Athens. So usually what happens is he drives to Athens, we, we meet somewhere running, and then he goes to work. Um, but he, uh, you know, we usually, we usually are running together five days a week. Um, so unless he's taking a day off work or unless I'm traveling, most of the rest of those days we are running together. Um, then also, um, Dave Hayden, and I've actually known Dave longer than I have Hugh. Um, actually the, the, the there's sort of an, inter an interesting story there. And this kind of goes back, John, to talking about, um, the, uh, running in the winter stuff. Um, there was a day when, uh, when used to be that, Dave usually ran a little bit earlier than I did. I usually would be leaving home about 545 at this point in time. And he was usually um, leaving closer to 515. And he, his runs were usually a five miler. And so he would go out and back on the bike path and we would, we would pass one another frequently with him heading toward home and me just on my way out. But we'd see one another out there often. And I think the first time either of us said anything to the other more than just good morning or hello or whatever was on one of those crazy winter days when there was about six or eight inches of fresh snow on the bike path. And it was cold too. And he said something to me as we ran by about, you know, something to the effect that, you know, the fact that we're both out here, you know, means we're, we're basically certifiably insane, right? You know, so that was kind of our first little, you know, moment, our first little conversation with one another. And I think subsequent to that, we would start running together occasionally. And usually it wasn't like we planned. It was just like, you know, we, we'd, we'd see each other out there and I would turn and run with him. Um, but more recently, um, it's been more conscious. It's been more like, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to meet, we're going to schedule a, a rendezvous. And that happens pretty regularly these days. And again, often what's happening is Hugh and I are meeting and then we meet Dave and then we, you know, continue from there. 
and we do Dave's five miles with him and then we do whatever we're going to do sometimes, usually in addition to that additional mileage. So, so those guys, I mean, they've really become among my very best friends through the connection. And, and these are people that without running, there's very little chance that I ever would have really gotten to know either of them at all. Um, maybe Dave, because his wife works in the College of Fine Arts as I do. And so our paths might have crossed, but there's very little chance that you and I ever even would have met one another, um, you know, if we weren't involved as runners. Um, you know, we, we've seen, we saw one another at races and, uh, and Strava. But, you know, th- that's, one, that's one thing about running for me, that it's become not just, you know, this thing that I do and this thing that I've become, but it's also become an important um, part of my social life. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, you know, Wes, I would never have met you obviously without the the connection of running and other people like, you know, Michael Owen and, and, and JB and, and I could go on and on. Um, But, you know, lots of people that I've gotten to know, you know, some of them only, only rather superficially, but some of them, you know, pretty well through running together. Another one, another one we haven't mentioned here is, um, is Kevin. Um, and, you know, it's funny, people say Kevin who, and I say, I don't know his last name, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But um, do, you know who, do, you know, do you know who the Kevin is that I'm talking about? Uh, only when you drop his name in the description. I don't know who, who it is. Okay. Um, he lives next door to Chip Rice, and, um, and he's kind of tall. Um, red hair. He's probably, um, is he 40 maybe roughly age wise? Um, he's an ultra, he's, he's been, he's done a hundred miler. Um, uh, he's not really running big miles these days. Um, he's a physical therapist. But anyway, he's, he's not on, he's not on Strava. Um, but he's another person that, you know, that I've just gotten to know a little bit, um, through doing some running with him and, Again, he joins our, our trio and uh, becomes part of the early morning bike path party um, some, some of the time as well. Interesting thing, too, um, about him being a 100-miler. I, I remember one day when I was over at OVRC, and there were four people in the store at the time, JB, uh, Michael Owen, Kevin, and myself. And so we were just sitting there talking, and it was like, you know, suddenly I'm realizing – Hey, I'm the only person in this room who hasn't run 100 miles. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Athens for you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, it's it's, it's weird, isn't it? Uh, Nick Voss commented, uh, Kevin Swank possibly. Uh, he ran Pine Pine the Palm in about 2012. Possibly. Is it, where, where is he finding that? Just from like. Uh, we have, we have really good interns here at uh, Ridge Runners. So Nick Voss has been crunching the numbers for us for the past 10 minutes or so. So we really I appreciate know his last name. I feel, I feel bad that I don't know it. Speaking of but, numbers, I think we need to um, quantify the Bardi measurements that we can yeah. accurately describe them now in the show. Like the bit, the part. The spec. The spec. Oh, that, that. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, okay. So um, basically, um, you know, as I, as I started doing Strava, you know, I mean, Strava just says, you know, morning run or whatever, you know, kind of boring. Right. And so, I mean, people, you know, can relabel their runs however they want them to. And, uh, and I started out, you know, not really doing very much with that, but now every day, I put something different down and some of them are very boilerplate, very, you know, I mean, how many times have you seen me writing, you know, um, you know, the weekly half, you know, most with you part with Dave H, you know, a couple deer emojis, whatever, you know, I mean, there, there are certain things that are kind of, you know, frequently part of those little, little things there. Other times they're, they're a little more, you know, a little less ordinary. Um, so one of the things I started doing quite a while ago is like, you know, I'm putting down who I'm running with. And so like, for example, 
when when Dave Hayden would have been like the only person I was really running with much at all, maybe at one point in time. Uh, if I if I ran into him um, and he was already on his way home, then I'd probably only would run with him like a mile or something like that. So I'd call that a bit. If I, on the other hand, um, I let's say I got out earlier than he did and I met him while he was still on his way out and I finished his outbound and did the return with him. And so it was maybe more like three miles with him. Then I'd call that part. Okay. Um, and then, you know, so basically the, the, the scale and, and then, you know, um, a spec emerged. Uh, a spec was invented for Earl the Pearl. So like, I was just, you know, walking out the door and Earl the Pearl, for some weird reason, is outside my door waiting, waiting for me and ran from my house down to the end of the block, you know, so like literally not even a tenth of a mile, probably. But, you know, had to give, give him, had to give him some credit. So that's how a spec was born. And that, that's one I don't use very often. But so spec is the, the smallest amount and more than a spec is a bit and more than a bit is a part and more than a part is half, you know, like I frequently will say with Dave, half with Dave H um, because, you know, I'm, I'm running 10, he's running five. So that's, that's a typical situation uh, with Hugh. It's very often most with, with, with him and occasionally it's all with all with him as well. So, so that's basically the scale there. <laughs> that's awesome i can't believe that was worthy of conversation but oh, okay it's great <laughs> yeah when people you see someone drop the spec on strava in the ridge runner strava club you know uh something awesome happened on that run so alex jackson's really excited that he finally knows who uh dave h's last name is so well, well, and, and so and so you got to be sure if you're a voter in athens county that you vote for Dave Hayden for school board because he's the man. There it is. Uh, Paul, you're rocking your Mount Mitchell marathon jacket tonight and uh, you have run a bunch of races. I kind of want to dive into that and uh, the race that you have run. Uh, For people that don't know, Paul ran the JFK 50 miler in 2017 and finished. He's also done the Thunder Bunny trail races uh, multiple years in a row. I think he's done Iron Furnace. I think every year that that's um, been a a race. So. I missed the very first iron furnace. Um, and, and, you know, I, I didn't even know Michael at that point in time where I probably would have done it then, but I've done it every year since I've done, I, I finished the 50 K twice at iron furnace. And then I was a, well, you got to say I was a DNF the third time, but I finished the, the 28 milers. That was nasty hot weather that day. And then I also turned my ankle while I was out on Hickory. So that's thunder bunny. Correct. Yeah. What did I say? Did I say iron Furnace. Sorry. Yeah. Iron That's furnace. all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thunder Bunny. So um, yeah, I've, I've finished JFK twice. I've done J- JFK in 2012 and 2017. Um, in 2012, actually, I mean, th- that's actually maybe, well, both of those are kind of interesting stories. I mean, first of all, in 2012, you got to understand that I'd only been running for a year and a half. And furthermore, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any ultramarathoners. So the fact that I signed up to do an ultra marathon um, is kind of weird. Um, and that says something about how I kind of, you know, how I quickly got from doing, you know, I did my first mar- I did my first half marathon, August, 2010, Parkersburg half marathon. I did my first marathon um, three months later uh, in November, 2010. And then a year later, I'm doing a 50 miler. So especially for somebody, you know, you guys probably can't really appreciate this because I can't, I can't emphasize enough how unathletic my genes are. Okay. Nobody in my family does anything athletic. Um, you know, that's just not, and, and, and growing up, you know, I played some tennis, but I never, I, I was never on any kind of an organized sports team, not even like when I was six years old or anything, nothing, zero, zilch, nada. So the fact that I've gotten into doing running to the degree I have is kind of amazing. Um, so, uh, so anyway, finished the, the 2012 JFK and um, the 2017 JFK, 
I would say that's one of my two proudest results as far as a run as being as being a runner is concerned. Um, and I'll tell you about the other one here too in a bit. But th- here's the reason. Actually, my 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 finishing time in 2017 was a little bit slower than my 2012 time. But I'm more proud of the result for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, um, while I went out there completely by myself in 2012, I was part of a team in 2017. There were five of us, you know, team OVRC, I guess we were officially called or whatever, or were we team SEOTR? I don't know, whatever. But we were, we were a team. And the team consisted of um, Michael Owen, um, uh, Mike Cooper, um, help me out here, Isaac Gibson. Isaac, and, you. And, um, um, what, what's his name? The guy who works at the, who used to work at, maybe still does work at the, uh, the uh, vaping shop. Oh, Steve, uh, Stephen Lewis. Stephen. Yes. Stephen, of course. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. I'm bad with names. So forgive me, Stefan, if you're seeing this. So, um, so that was our team of five people. And the way JFK handles uh, results for their team competition is your top three finishers um, determine the, the team's place in the standings. So Michael knocked it out of the park and finished second or third overall. And I'm pretty sure Cooper finished in the top 10 as well. He might've finished eighth or something like that. Anyway, finished with a very, very solid time. And every expectation was that um, that Isaac was most likely going to be our number three finisher. In fact, in the early um, stages of the race, he was running with Cooper. Um, and so he was turning in a very solid time. But um, he ended up DNFing. And um, I was running. And uh, Stefan and I ran into each other maybe five or eight miles in somewhere on the Appalachian trail part of the uh, course. And we ran together a little bit. I think I, I, I caught up to him going up a hill. Uh, but then when we got on, on to more of the gnarly trails, rocky part of the trails, he, he took off and I didn't see him again for a while. But then around mile, I don't know, halfway in the middle of the race somewhere, mile 20 something probably, uh, I caught up with him and I was really surprised. And he was like, oh, I'm just dead. I'm not, I'm, I can't do it. And I tried to encourage him, tried to say, well, you know, come on, r- run with me for a little bit. You know, let's see what, what you know, maybe you like get your second wind or whatever. Tried to encourage him, but he ended up dropping out as well. So shockingly, we're suddenly in a position where for our team result, it actually matters what pathetic old Barty's doing. And, uh, and so, um, I finished, you know, with a very unimpressive time. Um, but, you know, but combined with Michael and Cooper's excellent times, uh, my pathetic, you know, back of the pack finish was enough that as a team, we finished in third place. So that was awesome to feel like I'd actually made a contribution to, uh, to a team result like that. You know, even if, even if again, taken by itself, my result was not particularly impressive. Um, I was happy to have you know, made a contribution to that effort. Um, another thing that, that I really felt good about that day was um, I finished really amazingly strong. Um, I, don't, have you, I forget, Wesley, have you run JFK? I have not. I've spectated Okay. So you know how the course is set up then basically it's like the first, um, what is it? 18 miles or whatever is, is on the, uh, 16, maybe it is, is, is primarily on the Appalachian trail. And so it's, it's, it's pretty technically challenging. There's some serious climbs and parts of it are very rocky, you know, and for somebody like me, who's always paranoid about falling, it's a challenging part of the course. And then you're on this flat dirt towpath for 26 miles. And then you finish up with eight miles on rolling hills on asphalt. And the thing that I am proudest of that day is that during that last eight miles, I I figured it out at one point, but I, I don't know. I passed something like 50 people in those last eight miles that day because I was running. I mean, I, I had, I had, I, I still had something in my legs and I was able to run that whole last eight miles and nobody else around me was, was running. They were, you know, 
running, walking, running, walking, whatever. But I passed a lot of people in those last miles. And mile 50 was my fastest mile the whole day. That's awesome. So, so, that, that, so that's, a, that's a result that I'm proud of. Um, the, the other, the other race result that I have that I feel pretty proud of is, is much earlier in my, in my running life. And it's the second, um, half marathon race that I finished. As I told you, my first half marathon race was running the Parkersburg half in 2010. My second one was running the Geist half marathon in Indianapolis in 2011. And I finished that race in one hour, 42, 48, 42 minutes, 48 seconds, which, you know, again, not very impressive for people who are, you know, really, really good runners. But for somebody like me, that's a really, a really solid time. Um, That's my only half uh, marathon that is under eight minute pace. Um, And 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 here's here's the, this you know again I was I was 50 years old, so that was 10th place out of 131 people in my age group. Wow! So, you know, so for me, that's a result I feel very proud of, even if it is kind of ancient history at this point. No, it's just just a couple of days ago, right? Yep. Just the other day. Just the other day, uh, regeneration. Uh, if you have any questions for Paul before we wrap up here, uh, drop those in the chat and obviously we'll relay those along. Uh, Paul, you've been great having you on tonight. Really exciting to hear everything that you, uh, have said so far. And it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, before you like wrap up, I want to just kind of throw a couple rapid questions at you along with a couple from the chat. Um, when you come into an aid station, what is one food that you can't leave without? You know, you guys have talked about this uh, with some of your other people recently, and um, and and then you 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 who was it you had the little um, the the little uh, competition thing with where you were like each picking your three foods or whatever. That was a panel show. Yeah, one of your little panel things, and um, uh, and and two of the things that that I really like were kind of getting poo pooed by you guys, so I, I hesitate to even mention them. I'm I'm an orange I'm an orange slice guy. I like the orange slices, and um, and and again, uh, I, I uh, attached this particularly to my recollections of the 2017 JFK. Oh man! And and actually, who is the young lady you had on most recently? Ellie Ellie Pell. Yeah, she was awesome, by the way. Um, and and she mentioned this as well: um, the uh, chicken noodle soup at the JFK. That was it. Was cold that day. And man, that chicken noodle soup was like the best thing ever. That, I mean, you know, I told you how I felt strong those last eight miles. That chicken noodle soup was like awesome that day. Just revitalized me. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just I give that a lot of credit that day. So those are a couple of things I really like. Um, you still owe me an oatmeal cream pie. Story about that. So I was going to... Uh, <laughs> I, I obviously some people that don't know I'm back in Athens right now and I was uh, at the store today and was actually looking for them to drop them off at your doorstep uh, before the show tonight so you could have them for the show so you, oh, you can the first one uh, on the show but I, that is coming to you still so no I, and you didn't even ask me what I'm drinking today what do you have I got a I got a grape crush a little grape crush action that's awesome. Uh, Nick Voss, by the way, uh, if you guys, someone wants to check on him, he's doing laps around his house right now because you said orange slices and we destroyed that pick on the panel show, but he's so happy that you just gave him all the credit in the world for orange slices. And, and, I, and I voted for his, um, you know, his little, uh, his little trio of things. Cause he, I think he also, didn't he have like um, chicken broth or something as another one of his items too? I, I believe so. so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I looked at his and I thought, yeah, those are the go-tos. So. And you guys were giving him a bad time about his choices. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. You, what a what he went orange slices. Check out that a live show if you haven't already. I was, that was a blast. Uh, Paul, what is uh, some, do you have a pre-race ritual, uh, post-race meal? What are your kind of staples when it comes to that? You know, usually when, when I run first thing in the morning every day, I, I don't eat before I go uh, at all. 
And so races are a little bit of a different ballgame because they're usually not starting as early. You know, while I'm usually out the door at 5.30 or something like that, you know, races are typically not starting until 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever. And so usually I, I have to switch things up a little bit. So, you know, so if I'm out there running a, a race or something like that, I usually do like a bagel and a banana or something like that um, as some pre-race food. But, you know, I can't really say, I mean, I, I don't run that many races, frankly. So that's not really something I've really got. And I'm definitely kind of a, I mean, I'm a pasta guy. So uh, if I'm, if I'm doing a marathon or, or, or an ultra marathon, I'm definitely somebody who's looking for some pasta the night before. As far as after races, whatever I want, because I deserve it. Right. Yeah, obviously. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know. What's, uh, oh, go for it. What's your, um, current, the 50 mile, your longest current run? Yeah. And I really don't anticipate that I'll ever do anything longer than that. When I hear about you guys who are, I mean, uh, John, John, are you still got a hundred miler on your, on your agenda? As a, yeah. End of July. If everything goes well, I'm, I'm going for it. So we'll see what happens. Training is a little lower than I was expecting, but, uh, I'm not going to give up though. That's for sure. Yeah. We'll get out and do some, uh, early morning weekly halves. I may have to do one on Monday just to honor Paul Barty being on the show. <laughs> well, you'd be welcome to join us anytime. You you live like over by the Athens Public Library or something? I used to. Um, I actually okay. just moved up to Northeast Ohio. Um, oh, okay. But I house up in the Kent I, area, so. know that. I, I just saw that that was where you were uh, looking at your travel stuff. I was seeing a bunch of runs out of there and thinking, you know, yeah, he – but obviously you're not really kind of a morning person. Not so. really, but I've always tried to be a morning runner, but it's just never been a thing I've been able to check off. <laughs> yeah. John, John, you know, if you uh, did a weekly half, your mileage from the past couple of weeks would just triple in that okay. one run. I don't know. Maybe I don't post everything on uh, Strava. Oh man. One of those people. You don't know. Go- a ghoster. Lowen's <laughs> uh, book. Yep. Gotta take a, take a, he's a good playbook. You have to follow it sometimes. Yep. Speaking of Michael Owen, he has a question here. He says, uh, when do you think the streak will end, Paul? Uh, do you think it'll just be uh, something that like you quit on or th- how do you think it'll end? I don't think, I don't think that the six day streak or the, uh, or the weekly half streak will be broken unless I don't have a choice. The 3000 mile thing, might be a different story. Um, as I get a little older, I, I start to think that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, scale that back a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, this, this year is going pretty well at this point. I'm over a hundred miles ahead of pace for getting in 3000 again this year. I, I deliberately set out this year, starting out doing more than I needed because, well, I was going to be in Chicago with a class of students for a week I had a three-week trip to Europe planned with my boys and another trip by myself later in the summer. So I was figuring on seven weeks that I was going to have relatively low mileage. In other words, probably only 50 miles or potentially even less. And so I wanted to get some extra in the bank early in the year, which I've done. And now that all the travel stuff's been messed up, now maybe I don't need it. But anyway... Been, been trying to stick with 60 miles pretty consistently over the last several months and that seems to be working pretty well so yeah as far as michael's question is concerned is as far as the weekly half the the six days a week i will do those as long as i can i, I don't i just can't see myself deciding to say no that's awesome. Yeah. I'm super excited. Obviously you've had a couple of close calls and just kind of fought through every single one that's popped up. I'm excited for the airplane one, especially that one's going to be my favorite weekly half <laughs> half marathon that eventually comes up. Um, Paul, it's been a pleasure. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, one final question here, unless Ridge Runner Nation has anything, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, who would it be and where would you run? Yeah, well, I, I, I anticipated this question, and I'm going to cheat, and, and I'm going to give you two names. And these are not surprisingly names out of the other half of my life. 
uh, which is my music. So my answers are Johann Sebastian Bach and Richard Wagner. <laughs> so those are those the people who know me as a musician uh, will not be at all surprised by those answers because those are kind of my uh, my musical passions. Um, where doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, I suppose I would run with Bach in Leipzig and I would run with Wagner in Bayreuth, which are cities that are closely tied to their personal histories. So it would be awesome to be able to talk to those composers about their music, whatever. It'd be cool. Yeah, I'm sure they'd be really interested in your running as well. They could probably take a couple of tips well, on being consistent. Well, you, know, you, know, you know, there's kind of an interesting thing with Bach that um, that let me just throw this in for a minute here. Um, when Bach was 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, there's a famous story about him going from uh, where he lived in Arnstadt to Lübeck because he wanted to meet another famous composer, Dietrich Buxtehude. And, um, and the story is that he went on foot 200 miles in order to do that. And, um, and the story is one that I'm frankly skeptical about because um, I understand what doing 200 miles on foot is like. And, uh, and a lot of people just, you know, just sort of, you know, just don't even really think about what that really means. But I would really love to go to Germany sometime and, you know, it'd probably take me, uh, you know, a few weeks, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I could reasonably do uh, 200 miles in three weeks. If I really went, went crazy, I could do it in two, I suppose. I've had my share of 100 mile weeks. I've done 110 miles in one week on one occasion. So um, it would be really interesting to actually, you know, literally go in box footsteps uh, over those miles. But in a way, sort of what I want to do with that is um, maybe in the process of, uh, of covering that territory on feet, on foot, is maybe I might uh, come up with some insights about what that might have meant for Bach. I don't know. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be an epic journey to kind of go out there and do those 200 miles. I, I need somebody to, to, to go with me to do it so that I've got somebody else to help me with logistics and stuff like that. I don't feel like I can go there and just do that by myself. Um, because, you know, yeah. Well, and what, what I'm also thinking, John, is like somebody to help with stuff, you know? I mean, am I going to like travel with everything that I need on my back? You know, like just one change of clothes or whatever, and that's all I'm going to have? Um, yeah, I don't know. It would be, it'd be rough. So... That would be interesting, uh, like large bucket list goal. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I've even thought about, you know, making it something where I combined my running with music in a way and, you know, maybe even like tried to find a way to make this like a thing that I do during a sabbatical or something. I don't know. It's probably never going to happen. But it's something that I've thought about. Are organs mobile? Like, can I hook one up on wheels and push it while you kind of run and play? Uh, well, funny you'd ask that question because the answer is yes. Um, I mean, obviously, an organ like, I mean, you, you've seen the one there at Galbraith Chapel, Wes, and obviously it's not mobile. Um, but there are um, smaller sizes of organs that have different degrees of portability. They're very, you know, comparatively speaking, very small organs that are called um, portative organs, where actually people would have, like, I mean, think of it as like a. a Think of it as a uh, 18th century accordion where, where the instrument actually had like a strap that you could have over your shoulder and you'd pump the organ with one arm while you're playing notes with your, with your, with your fingers on the other arm. Um, so I'll, I'll send you a picture. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Original Nation Hour 2 is all about music and music history. Uh, we just turned the corner on Hour 1, so we got another 57 minutes here to talk all things music with Vardy uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> we were just getting warmed up. But no, Paul, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. It was an absolute okay. pleasure having you on. Uh, Original Nation, if you don't follow Paul Vardy on Strava, 
you have to go do that. We'll attach his Strava in the description of the video as well. But Paul is one of the best follows on Strava and he's known to give out a kudo or two. So, yep. Fair enough. Alrighty, Paul. Thanks again. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on in the future. Thanks, guys. It's been fun. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next time, Return Nation. <laughs>